0: Welcome to our podcast entitled Last Ones at the Bar. We're here to talk about all of the important events in the sport of boxing. My name is Wilton Henry, and I'm accompanied by Daniel Lee and LaVille Jackson. Well, how's everything been going this week?
1: Everything's been good, man. Um, I told you I got in a car accident, um, but I'm, I was good. But I, I'm back into my, my routine, my my workout, my life routine. now pretty much i I finished the therapy and everything so so it's been good i just got to find a new car but other than that i'm I'm straight i can't complain
2: yeah i'm glad you all right daddy yeah my week was pretty decent also you know busy as usual but you know it's same old i'm a routine person so once i break my routine that's when there's an issue Sounds good. Sounds
0: like you feel it's ready to rock and roll for this particular episode. Today, we're going to have like five, six topics that we'll discuss. And um, without further ado, we're going to jump right into that Alexander Povetkin versus Dillian White fight yesterday that took place on his own. What did you guys think about that, about?
2: Yeah, it was, it was better than I, I thought it was going to be, you know. Uh, definitely was you know kind of unexpected. I knew that was a possible that, that what happened could possibly happen. Uh, you had Alexander Pavekin, uh, 36 wins, uh, two losses, one draw, 25 knockouts against uh, Dillian White, just 27 and 2 with 18 knockouts. Uh, this is the sequel, uh, the rematch of their uh, fight that took place uh, late last year. Um, but Pavekin, you know, no further ado, he's a You know, 41 years of age, but he doesn't always seem like it. I mean, of course, if you – especially considering he beat Deleon White by knockout last year. um, But he has, you know, losses to – up to this point, only Anthony Joshua and uh, Vladimir Klitschko, which is pretty impressive. He's become more of a a, a counter-knockout puncher over the years. Uh, Definitely have a lot of amateur experience. Um, Olympic experience. Um, then you have Delon White, who um, he's, he's kind of come up the ranks over the years, uh, starting with his win over uh, Derek Chisora. Uh, then he has wins over hellenius and um, uh, Joseph Parker, uh, and also uh, Marius Wach. Um, but of course, he has that loss to Bubekin, and, and he also lost to uh, Anthony Joshua, who, uh, which the, that's their similar opponent. Now, this fight, um, it went kind of, uh, um, it was more exciting the first fight. It, it was less disciplined. Uh, Deleon White fight a, fought, a le- in my opinion, for a less disciplined fight. Uh, but I guess he thought it was necessary. Uh, but also, it was, you know, in my opinion, it was kind of high risk. Uh, he came out aggressive. Uh, he still, you know, did a good job working behind the jab like he did the last fight. But he, he just pretty much went at uh, Pavekin and uh, it was interesting because to see Pavekin that right hand was like, I mean, even though Pavekin was, was winging him uh, counter-right shots, um, it, there's always a fear like, man, why going to get caught again by one, one of those shots. He's going to get put down, um, especially considering how he was coming into this fight. Um, but Pavekin came in, uh, you know, a little heavier. Uh, White came in a little lighter, but neither of those weights was beyond uh, any weight they fought at. Um, But Fevekin did look kind of, you know, flat. But you can argue that he's been looking flat for the last few years, even though he has these oppressive knockouts and oppressive wins. Um, But I I felt after the first round, uh, the trainer gave De'Leon White some excellent advice. Uh, He had – White had Fevekin hurt in in the first round, uh, and he kind of went at him. His trainer told him, "Hey, when you have him hurt, keep your hands up. You know, be defensive defensively responsible. Don't get carried away because you know, Levackin can't catch him." Um, so so basically, um, same things uh, kept taking place over the the next few rounds of um, just White just fighting a, a more aggressive fight. Um, then he, um, I think, he hurt him with this nice uh, nice counter right hand in the uh, third round and in the fourth, uh, you, you put him down with, with the, uh, a nice uh, right hand. Uh, Fevekin was hurt and didn't make the count. I mean, he made the count he got up, but he was on shaky legs and in in his uh, corner threw in the towel. Um, so it was a good win by Delan White. Um, he definitely won the mental battle because this was a mental battle and, he, and uh, a lot of fighters when they, when they have a knockout Fight like that, they come back, they're more apprehensive. And Dylan White did exactly the opposite and went at uh, Pavekin. And uh, Pavekin still looked kind of flat. He st- he's still good enough where he can throw those sh- counter shots and, and, and hurt a lot of fighters. But this was a more exciting fight. Um, the first one, if you like the more tactical fight, the first one was a better fight. But this was more uh, action oriented. But shots out to Dylan White. I thought it was a good win.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, as I checked it out yesterday, um, I think the first fight was a much, much better fight than yesterday uh, entirely because it. yesterday really wasn't competitive at any point in the fight outside of the fact that Pavekin could have possibly caught White with something because White was just winging shots. And White, I tell you, like I got respect for him for the fact that for one, he didn't show any ill effects psychologically from the knockout. You know, he wasn't tentative at all. You know, he was he was down for the smoke trying to get rid of Pavekin, you know, as early as the first round. And so he wasn't playing around. Um, the first round, and, and Pavekin, well, let me just go ahead and give a brief breakdown of what I saw. In the first round, I saw Pavekin, he just couldn't get his legs underneath him. You know, it was just really, it was crazy because he just, it was on un- unsteady legs. Now I just went to the doctor, right? Cause I got my knees, ain't really all that good. I'm gonna be honest with you. You know, over the years hooping, you know, playing basketball and jogging on a treadmill, you know, it's taking its toll. So I went to the doctor the other day. And so she said she would do an MRI. If she said that, um, she said, are you, um, how's your balance? Um, is it unstable? And I was like, I was about to say no. And I was like, so she was like, Well, I'm just going to put that down so you can go ahead and um, it, it, it'll guarantee that your insurance will cover. She didn't know what my insurance was. But anyway, now she could have asked him that question because his legs were shaky. Like, <laughs> I'm telling you, man, like he would, he couldn't even, like anytime he moved, it was just like he was just like just on unsteady legs. And so White won the first round, 10 9, round two, rolled around still on them unsteady legs shaky legs for Pavekin. and um, the end of the round, Pavekin, he did land a big right. And then white, you know, shot like a huge right hand back at him. It was really telegraphed. So I was thinking, I said, you know, maybe we got something here, you know what I mean? But I still gave white round two. And then um, by the time you made it to round three, it was all white, big right hands. and like I said, he looked pretty good yesterday. I was I was really impressed with Dillion White's performance. And really, to be honest with you, um, he's not one of my favorite fighters, but I think he's really dangerous for any heavyweight that we have in the
1: sport right now. So, I mean,
0: really good win. You know, congratulations
1: to for getting his revenge. Yeah, you guys did a great job of breaking that fight down as usual. Um, I more or less started saying what you guys did. I, I had it all all white uh Pavekin just he wasn't the same after those shots he took in the first round and so uh he was really going off a of heart the, the the rest of the fight after that first round um but and his fight more or less went how i thought it was the first fight was gonna go but you know with that said uh shout out to both fighters because again white won the the mental war with himself really and, you know, to be able to get up like that and perform the way he did, um, it would only be speculation to to try to debate, you know, how much COVID may have had an effect on Povetkin. But I don't think it would have had. He, he looked normal to me. So I, 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 I'm leaning towards saying it didn't really have um, an effect on what the outcome would have been anyway. Um, but, you know, it was a it was a good fight. Uh, the first one was better, but, you know, it was a good fight to see. So next weekend on April third in Dubai, we have a fight on ESPN Plus between Jamel Herring and Carl Frampton. How do you guys see that one playing out? All right, so
0: we got Carl Frampton who is twenty-eight two with sixteen KOs. He's thirty-four years old, stands five foot five inches tall, has a sixty-five inch reach, Orthodox out of Belfast, Ireland has notable victories over Scott Quigg, Leo Santa Cruz, Donaire, and then his losses were to Santa Cruz in a rematch and to Josh Warrington back in 2018. It seems like um, it wasn't that long ago that, I want to say like 2016, where Frampton really was on top of the world after um, his victories over those guys. Um, I remember the huge UK matchup with Scott Quigg. Um, so, yeah, he was on top of the world. And Then it's just like, you know, he, he caught a couple L's and, you know, he's a little bit older now. So, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how much he still has left um, going against Jamel Herring, who was 22-2 with 10 KOs. He's a year older at 35 years of age. He's a very tall fighter at this weight uh, class. He's 5'10", 72-inch reach. And then he fights South out of Cincinnati by way of New York. Um, I'm not really familiar with any of his opponents, uh, but he has two, he has a TKO loss and one by decision. One was in 2016 and one was 2017. I saw the knockout loss that he had. He was fighting a Russian guy who was really strong. He was like a, um Arthur Benner type fighter for that weight class. And he kind of just broke herring down um, and, and just just beat him up and they caught they waved the fight off but since then he has had six he's on six fight win streak. you know and like I say he hasn't lost in nearly four years the other fight that I saw him fight I, I, I want to say this is the most recent fight against Lamont roach in 2019 he may have had a fight since then but he was looking really good in that fight that's when I I, I noticed that he appeared to have put everything together as far as using his size, um, that jab, you know, just working those angles and, and things of that nature. But there's a part in the fight where the ref could have called a knockdown. I don't know if Herring has a weak set of whiskers because the guy clipped him in exchange and he began to do the boogaloo. And it could have been called a knockdown because the, the ropes held him up. Now, and again, I haven't seen him fight anybody. Like, it, there's nobody on his resume that I remotely even heard of. Um, so that kind of worries me about him. Frampton, on the other hand, he's had a who's who in that weight class with the exception of him avoiding Rego um, at all costs. But he's been in there with stiff competition. Herring is a guy, like I said, if he can stay disciplined, keep Frampton, you know, at the end of that stick, I think that he could win the fight, but just based on Frampton's, his resume, the work that he put in, um, and the skills that he has, he always, he's pretty accurate once he gets inside, and I think that at some point in the fight, he's gonna land on Herring and it's gonna accumulate Either he's gonna, it's gonna get to the point where Herring is going to, going to like quit, or the, I, I shouldn't say he's gonna quit, but probably his corner with throw in a towel, or the referee is gonna stop the fight. So I'm gonna go Carl Frampton by
1: late stoppage. Yeah, you you hit on a lot of good points. One of the things that really stands out to me is just the physical stature of the two. Uh, Herring is five ten with a seventy two inch reach. Uh, which is a pretty big advantage in that weight class. And Frampton is 5'5 five, five with a 65-inch reach. So, you know, off top, Herring has, um, you know, quite the physical advantage. However, like you said, he doesn't really have the pedigree like that. Uh, his last fight was a DQ win versus Jonathan Oquendo in September of last year. Before that was the Lamar Roach fight that you referenced that he looked good in. You know, I give him that. Uh, Frampton... Um, really has the pedigree. Uh, his last fight uh, was a TKO win against Darren Trainer last August. Um, his only losses were were to Santa Cruz and Josh Warrington, which are respectable losses. And he actually beat Santa Cruz before that, and has beaten Donaire and Scott Quigg, like you said. Um, you know, I, I, I would tend to go based on what I've seen from both. Um, I. I think that Herring stands a good chance uh, if he's able to stay disciplined and keep the distance, keep the jab. But that's going to be a tall order against someone with a pedigree like Frampton. Um, They both are around the same age. Uh, Frampton is a year younger than Herring. Herring's 35. And so age isn't going to really play an advantage. Ring rest is not really going to play an advantage um, on either side. They're about equal there. Um, I, I think it's just going to come down to Frampton eventually finding a way to, to get in, get in on the inside and win rounds that way. I'm not sure if I see a stoppage, but I, I could see a Frampton a unanimous decision going down.
2: Yeah, you guys brought up some excellent points. Uh, I'm actually going to go on a whim and say that Herring uh, upsets uh, Carl Frampton. I think. Um, a lot of points you that you both mentioned are, I think, are going to come into play. Um, two things in particular will be the the height and uh, reach advantage. You know, as a five inch height advantage and seven inch reach advantage, and also I think Herring is naturally bigger than Carl Frampton. Uh, Carl pretty much uh, has a lot of his wins at uh, one twenty two and one twenty six, um, and he's moving up to one thirty. Uh, Herring, I think, his losses actually came at the lightweight limit he moved and he's been moving down where he's a little more successful. Uh so I think he's naturally bigger. And look at the way he fights, um I can't say as a whitewash and uh sure thing because he he does have a a decent jab and he's pretty fast. Um he doesn't tend to really fight at um at length to, to, enough to keep Carl Frampton away from him. Uh Carl Frampton is a rhythm fighter, um kind of like uh, Manny Pacquiao, he's just not awkward like that. Um, but I see if Herring can disrupt that, disrupt Carl uh, Frampton's rhythm. I can, I can see him upsetting uh, Frampton. Plus, even with their ages, I think even though Herring is older, uh, Frampton has more uh, ring age than than Herring has. I think he's been in you know a lot of a lot of tough fights. I can't say he's been in you know cra- any crazy wars, but he's been in some you know some. Uh, respectable fights that that uh, puts some wear and tear on his body. Um, so I think this fight is going to be excellent to see as far as uh, mid-range. It's, it's going to be some great uh, mid-range combinations that's going to get thrown. Uh, but I see uh, Jamel Herring being too much and uh, out-pointing Frampton. I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, if he stops him. Uh, I'm going out on a whim and say that. So also, there's a, a fight that's coming up. Um, I believe it's on April the 10th, either April 10th or April 17th. We have an up and coming guy, uh, Jeron Boots Ennis. Um, he's going to be uh, fighting against uh, Sergey Lipnitz, um, a, another tough fighter. Uh, how do you guys see this fight going?
1: Yeah. So just to lay it out, we have um, Ennis, who is 26 and 0. 24 knockouts, uh 23 years old, 5'10, 74 is reach. We have Lipinets, who is 16 and one 16, 1 and 1, 12 knockouts, 32 years old, 5'7, and 67 inch reach. Um Ennis doesn't really have any standout wins yet. Uh, he most recently had that no contest versus uh Chris Van Heerden in December twenty on the in December of last year uh Lipinets, uh his biggest win was against lamont peterson in 2019 uh he's had losses uh well his law lo- his one loss was to mikey garcia in 2018 uh who was no slouch himself of course but um and he most recently had a majority draw against Custio clayton in october of last year now um now to his point uh clayton is ranked fourth in the WBO and the IBF, so you know, he's not like a big name necessarily, but he's no slouch either. He's undefeated undefeated uh older guy. Um uh, pretty solid fighter. Um Levinas is a warrior, but I'm not sold on his skill set in terms of stepping up to the next level. Based on what I've seen from him in, in his fights and Sister Peterson fight. I think that and you know I don't want to take his win away from him, but um you know, Peterson had been in a lot of wars at the time. Peterson was on the tail end of his, of his career. And so, you know, it could very well have been more about Peterson than than Uh, uh He did do some solid body work against Clayton, and he did some solid infighting. Um, he did do enough to stand out, you know, in terms of getting uh, the points on his side, of course. But, um, you know, on the other side of that, you have a young lion, Ennis, who was one of the top prospects. Those with bad intentions. He has youth on his side. Um, you know, I think he'll be looking to get a statement win here, especially after the no contest in December. He didn't really sustain any damage because it was so early on in that fight. Uh he's on a 16th fight knockout streak. Lipiness has never been stopped before. And so uh I think this is a perfect opponent for for him to to make that statement in. And so I could see, I could see maybe a seventh or eighth round of stoppage here, to be honest.
2: Yes, I think this is uh a, a excellent fight for uh, durant and it's an excellent step-up fight, especially coming off that uh, n- no contest that, you know, uh, probably should have was going to be a win, but it ended up being no contest. Um, but, Lipton, of course, Lipton, as you stated, he only has one loss to Mikey Garcia. You know, he's been in some, some respectable fights. Um, the one with Peterson does stand out um, being Stopped Peterson. But also, I think, like you said, it, it was uh, uh, more wear and tear on, on Lamont Peterson because it really, score-wise, you could say Peterson was actually in that fight. I mean, if he would have survived to the end, he could have won it. But just looking at you know the reaction of Peterson, especially in the last few rounds, it, it seemed like he was just taking a beating in a fight that was pretty much uh, even, uh, and, and Lipness got the stoppage there. And, of course, he's never Lipness, Lipness has never been stopped. So I think, yeah, uh, Ennis is going to try to make a a statement. This will be the fight where it it determines whether Ennis is going to be, you know, uh, the new boogeyman or just just an ordinary win that he just outpoints uh, Sergei Lipnitz. I can't say for sure that he stops him because because to this point, we still haven't seen Lipnitz stopped but I, I can confidently say that Ennis is going to be going for it. And if he's what everyone say he is, um, I definitely expect him to get that stoppage.
0: All right, so we got old Boots, Ennis uh, versus Sergey Lipinitz. It's going to be a, a, a goodie next week, you know. Um, you got the Philadelphia fighter against the Kazakhstan uh, fighter you got the tall, rangy, um, bigger guy against the shorter guy. Um, like you say, that Lippinus is coming off that decision draw or majority decision draw against Custio Clayton. Now, Custio Clayton, he was a live dog late replacement in that fight that he had against Lipinous. Um, Custio Clayton really used to fight at 154. And so uh, most recently, you know, in the recent years, he came down to 147. And like I say, the, the, the young man can fight, you know, so. And he was a labor replacement, so I don't really hold that against Sergey that much. Um, but the biggest thing that Boots is going to have on his side is going to be the fact that that reach, right? And so he has a 74 inches. That's a really long reach for a 147 pound fighter. And Lipinitz is on the opposite end with 67 inch reach. Um, Lipinitz has notable victories, like you say, that Lamont Peterson, but that Mikey Garcia fight, it was a pretty good fight as well. Um, he, uh, he was competitive in that loss against Mikey, but this fight, I, I like it for Ennis because it's time for him to step up his competition. Um, at this point in his career, he should be able to handle somebody like Sergey This is going to be the stiffest opponent that he has faced. And, you know, it's time for him to start facing guys like this. You know, I think it's probably been like three, four fights ago that they probably could have up his competition. But the thing is, if they haven't upped this competition to this point, I'm trying to figure out maybe they might know something that we don't. You know, because Lipinic really is he's real solid um, but i think he's better suited for 140 than he is 147 he probably just want to campaign at 147 is much easier and uh, more comfortable for him to make but i think that like i said he's better suited for 147 just his physical attributes you would think that he should be campaigning at that weight Um, but he's a solid professional Um, boost has all of the advantages like i said he's a natural welterweight lippiness is more of a junior welterweight Boots going to have advantages at height, speed, power, reach. I mean, you name it. And um, like I said, if things get tough for Boots, you know, at the end of the day, I think he can keep that stick out on Lipinitz and, you know, cruise to a decision victory if things get kind of, you know, tricky at some point in a fight. I got Boots by decision. I think um, Lipinitz, he's, he's pretty durable, although he's a smaller guy. I think he's durable enough. And I also think that he's enough of a threat offensively to keep boots from just steamrolling them so i got boots by um pretty wide margin i would say like four or five rounds um getting a 12-round decision okay next up, uh, we got a pay-per-view class that's been uh, pretty much made official between two mexican heavyweights we got andy reese Ru- versus chris Ariola. who do you guys like in this match
2: Hmm. You got to have Andy Ruiz, uh, 33 wins, uh, two losses. His two losses has come from uh, his last fight with Anthony Joshua, which uh, Joshua avenged his own loss to uh, Ruiz. And he has a, lo- a majority decision loss to Joseph Parker. Um, we have Chris Areola, um, the nightmare Areola, 38-6 and uh, six with 30, 33 knockouts. Um he he actually has. It's interesting that that his his resume is uh one of who's who. He's fought a lot of tough guys. He's had a entire career. Um, he's he's a, he's probably close to uh, forty. If I mean, if not, he's pushing there already. You know, he's had some uh, tough opponents, tough losses to uh, Deontay Wilder um, and uh, Stavern. Um, two losses to Stephane, that was very, very tough. And even the Kali Klitschko with uh, the infamous <laughs> interview. Um, this fight would have been a, a great fight, I think, if both were in their prime and both, you know, at their best. I think Ariola just has, um, he's going to give it a good go and give it a good fight. But I think he's um, been through too many wars, even though he was pretty much in that Kowalski fight, that Adam Kowalski, Kowalski fight. I think even that fight, probably took a, a a lot out of him and that's that, to me i think that would have been maybe his last great uh p- performance or last decent performance um and even then that was uh over a year ago and i think andy ruiz is the fresher opponent i think he's gonna be faster um mm-hmm. like a lot of people look at their sizes uh and and, and think But these two the interesting thing about these two guys is they will throw. They're not afraid to throw punches. They, they both have respectable stamina. Uh, they both have pretty good chance. I think Ruiz has the, the, the much better chin, and I think that's, that's going to play out. Even uh, Ruiz' hand speed, uh, the, even before the uh, Joshua fight, uh, I saw him fight someone. I can't remember who it was. But the first thing I noticed about Andy Ruiz was his hand speed and and how some of his punches were compact. And uh, I, even even then, even off uh, short notice, I thought if Anthony Joshua wasn't careful, that Andy Ruiz would be be trouble for him. So I think that Hansby is going to play into this fight. I think Ruiz is a little bit sharper, and I think uh, Chris Ariola again is more worn, uh, torn. So I see Andy Ruiz uh, stopping Ariola probably mid to uh, mid to late round stoppage. Right, a few other things I was gonna
0: I, I want to mention is the fact that Ruiz is thirty one, so he, he's he's nine years younger than Ariola. So Ariola is forty years old. Um, you got the reach factor there. I mean, Ruiz has a seventy four inch reach. Ariola has a seventy six inch reach, and then Ariola is like two inches taller at 6'4". and Ruiz is six two. I think, like you said, for Ariola. Like, when you think about his resume, he has a really good resume, but he's more known for those notable losses than he, than he is more so for any signature victories. Like you say, he has losses to Klitschko, Adamant, Stuburn twice, Wilder. Um, he also beat guys like – I haven't seen him actually beat a guy the caliber of Andy Ruiz. Now, he has victories over guys like Chaz Witherspoon, Eric Molina, Seth Mitchell. but, you know – I they're at a certain level, you know, that... Let's say, for instance, we're talking about Mike Tyson punch-out. Like, they're the lower-level guys. You know what I'm saying? Like, they... Lower-level... I don't, I don't want to disrespect those dudes, but... They're not, like... Um...
2: Well, Soda Popinski? No, Soda Popinski
0: is a mid-tier guy. Like, he, okay. he, like, once you get from, like, Glass Joe, and then you fight, like... King, Hippo, Don Flamingo, you know what I'm saying? Like, they're in that area. I think that those guys are more so, like, uh, when you fight ball, ball that second time. Like, that's an upper <laughs> echelon, like, oh, And I don't think that he has, you know, beaten anybody at that level. So, uh, with that being said, I think that – but I do want to say this about Ariel. Now, he did impress me when he fought when koanaki that fight that they had and if if I'm remembering correctly at his age, you know, he was, had to be, he had to be about 39, 38 years old when they fought. And in that fight, he threw like 1020 something punches. And they said that that was the most ever for a 12 round fight for a heavyweight in CompuBox history. So, you know, he still had a lot left in the tank on that day. But like you said, it may have been his last hurrah, his last effort. Um, in terms of competing at a high level. But with all that being said, I'm going to say Ruiz by me around stoppage just based on Ariel's age, the wars, maybe a bit shot more. And um he typically comes up short when he fights against that level of opposition in the heavyweight
1: division. Yeah, pretty much agree. Um and and not for nothing. Both of their last fights were in December. uh, Well, Ruiz's last fight was in December twenty nineteen. Ariola's last fight was in August of twenty nineteen. So it's been a minute, and I don't know what Ariola's routine is like outside of outside of fighting, uh, outside of having fights rather, like what he does between camp. But you know, he has had issues with conditioning, and um. And, you know, Ruiz did, too, after that first Joshua fight, but the difference between the two is Arioles is more of a chronic thing. And that, on top of being an older fighter, it's not really a great setup for him going into this one. And, you know, one thing I can say about Ruiz is, um, you know, I don't know what his temperament is like in between fights. I, I Maybe that uh, he was just riding that wave after that first AJ fight. And... And, you know, he kind of got out of his routine, let, you know, stuff go through his head. But he did make a great decision in getting with Reynoso and being in that camp because you can be inspired by greatness. You have you have Canelo in that camp. You have uh, Valdez, who just who just won a belt. You have Garcia, the young lion, who, you know, say what you want about him. But they're all in there trying to get better. And so you've seen Ruiz. I've seen him on on the social media outside of, you know, before fights were even announced. Outside of camp, just, just working, just kind of getting his weight down a little bit so he doesn't have to worry about those type of things when he gets into camp. He's just re- refining of the skill. And so, um, you know, if he's a part of, of the environment, I like what I've been seeing from him, and I think he's going to, uh, you know, do the right thing and you know, preparing himself. And so, yeah, I could see I could see a mid-round stoppage is the, the short answer to, to to where I'm going with that. I was you just going to say, I he would have did done that, that in a, before the rematch against Joshua
0: as opposed to coming
1: in about 358 pounds, you know? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> that one was so weird, too, because he actually, I was following him on the, on the socials before that, and he actually looked pretty good up until, like, three weeks before that fight. And then you see him, and they went into, I think the fight was in Dubai, and so he had to go over there maybe, like, the two two weeks prior or so. And it's just like he just, I guess he just didn't stop eating. I don't know, but that that was weird. Another thing about this fight is, are they sure (laughs) they want to charge? Are they sure they want to make this pay per view? Like Ruiz is cool, but even though the pay per view is $50, are are we sure that that this this is what we're going to pay $50 for? I mean, (laughs) this is a
2: uh, a TVC like televised fight. This is a fight (laughs) that we should be seeing on television on a Saturday night.
1: This is for sure a PBC fight, you know, especially his his first fight back. If he if this is like he fresh off the AJ win, you know, okay, maybe, but he didn't look good in that fight, and I mean, Lara's on the undercard. Yeah, but check this out though. Man, so I, what, like I think what they're banking
0: on is that Ruiz was the first Mexican heavyweight champion, and so he come back, and then he's going against another mm. Mexican, right? And so that's going to be near single de Mayo. and so you're gonna have that you know Mexicans you know from my understanding you know they love boxing and especially like during that weekend so if you give them a fight like that i'm sure that they'll um they they're, they're going to pay for
1: that yeah that's fair that's fair all right fellas well so we have uh Tim Tim Zoo undefeated super welter out of Australia fighting Dennis Hogan on this Wednesday looks like March 31st oh. Uh, how you it's see not
0: necessarily game? like how I see it going, um, Danny. It's more so I'm looking at it like this, just him in general. You know, he's the son of Kostya Zou. Like you say, he's 26 years old, 17-0 with 13 knockouts. He's 5'8 1⁄2", 72-inch reach. orthodox Sydney, Australia. And he's had a notable victory over Jeff Horn last August um, with the eighth-round TKO. A lot of people were so happy that he was able to stop Horn, another person to stop Horn, because a lot of people are upset with Jeff Horn because he got that decision over Manny Pacquiao. And so I was just reading the comments of what people were saying uh, when he defeated Jeff Horn. He instantly became a fan favorite of a lot of um, boxer fans, mainly those who support Manny Pacquiao. When you look at his style, his style is very, very reminiscent. I mean, if somebody showed you him boxing and it didn't show his head, you would think that that was a young zoo They fight the same way. It's just minus the Hall of Fame skill, and it's mainly the power. You know, he's not a bad fighter. I mean, he's he's pretty good, um, but he's just not Um Like I said, I saw him fight against Horn. I saw him fight against um, Bowen Morgan. And, you know, he looked pretty good. He looked pretty good. I don't know his ceiling, you know, how far he can go because I don't see the snap in his punches. But, uh, like I say, he's pretty good. He'll be fighting Dennis Hogan, as you stated. I see him beating Dennis Hogan, whether it be a decision or late-round stoppage because Dennis Hogan, he basically has the same style as Jeff Horn where he comes in basically running in with his head down while he's throwing punches, and then afterwards he'll attempt a clinch. And so that style didn't, you know, go so well for Horn against soon. So I think that he has that style down pat. And so, like I said, I see him with a victory. Um, I think it's more so where does he go from here? You know, I heard him calling out some big-name opponents. And um, we'll see. We'll
2: see. I'm sure it'll be a a huge event out there in Australia. But, you know, if you get a chance, check him out. So now in the news and the boxing community uh, comes through the the pipeline – Um, You know, of course, we had um, Mike Tyson come back and there's been talk of Holyfield coming back and all these fighters, you know, coming out of retirement. There's another, you know, uh, Hall of Famer, all-time great, um, trying to come back also, um, Oscar De La Hoya, the golden boy. He says he wants a a real fight, doesn't want an exhibition, a real fight. Uh, What are you guys' thoughts on that? So the short answer is,
1: I don't know enough yet. Right now, he's talking, and he's you know he's been out of the ring since what two thousand eight. He has since had the promotional hat on right. So, so by default, I can't really believe the guy until I see something. Uh, what what I what I do believe is that he will probably be back on that card, and I don't know what else to make of it until I see actual you know something concrete come out. When I see the box wreck, I don't know it's real. But all I can tell you right now is. You know, it's going to be on Triller. It's going to be on July third, and I'll just say that. And this, it, I guess, it's going to be uh, maybe a co-main for the Jake Paul and Ben Askren. Um, all I can say is, it makes sense for him to appear on this card in particular. Um, fact of the matter is, times are changing in boxing, and you have companies like Triller who are willing to throw lots of money at fights that, you know, whether they're good for boxing or not, there's a market for. You know, so. You know, if 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 Jake Paul is now you know on a social media app pay per view, you know doing numbers, that's just what it's going to be. And so, you know, if if I'm De La Hoya with my promotional hat on, then yeah, it makes sense to come back on a car like this versus you know trying to be on you know someone else's like Showtime pay per view or or something of that nature. And so, um, from a business standpoint, I get it from a marketing standpoint, I also get it from a fighting standpoint. I just got to see more info because uh, everything else
2: is yeah, interesting. Um, my first question would be, uh, who is he trying to fight? That's my first question. With De it is interesting because I thought even after that loss with Manny Pacquiao and he retired, I thought he would not stay retired. Um, I thought he would have come back and probably at a higher weight, probably 154, maybe 160 and fought a uh, at least someone like a a Corey Spinks or um, a Kasim Uma to just test the waters and see where he's at, and if he didn't look good, he would just retire. Um, but he he pretty much stayed retired, put on the promotional hats, and uh, you know this thing. Um, of course, he's had his issues with with drugs and all, a whole bunch of other stuff is, that went on in his, his personal life. I think he's one of those guys who you know they they have addictions and and in his career, his addiction was boxing, but it became other things when once the boxing and the fame wasn't there, you know, we hear about other fighters like that, like, you know, a sugar Ray Leonard, who have those issues when they're not in the gym training really, really hard. Um, I think maybe he's he's at that point where he sees something that's, that's lacking and he wants to, you know, he he's one of those guys that has to be in the gym. You know, he, we've seen him out of shape. He's, he doesn't seem like he's been really, uh, Training up until just recently, he's trying to, you know, get back into shape and he and looks like he's serious. Um, one thing you, you, you we always say about Oscar de la Hoya, you, you, can, you can, you can laugh at his lifestyle, what have you, but the guy's a real fighter. I think he really has that fire power in him. Uh, maybe he wants to, to come back and see if it's still there, see if you know he still has that, uh, that itch and you know. I mean, he's earned the right. I mean, he's a he's a he was a great fighter when he was fighting, so he's earned the right to 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 do what he wants if he wants to do that. You know, of course, I I don't want to see him get hurt or anything like that. But one thing you can't deny is that he, he was a real fighter and he wasn't afraid to fight anyone, even if uh, the eye said he was going to lose. <laughs> so I mean, hey, shout out to him. Yeah, man. Oscar says he's
0: coming back. Um, let me just start off by saying this Oscar is 48 years old. Um, he has a record of 39, 6, 2, and 30 KOs 511 with 73 inch reach orthodox. But Oscar was really left handed uh, from the time he was five years old. They taught him how to fight right handed. And if you ever see saw him fight, you'll know that his left hand was really where the money shots came from, where he was, you know, hurting guys and knocking guys out, mainly with that left hand. He last fought, like you said, against Pacquiao in 2008 when he retired um in the eight after the eighth round. Um and man, like I really have so much respect for Oscar Hoya because He's the last cash cow that actually took on all comers, like all comers. You know what I mean? Like, if you just go down his resume, man, Oscar was starting off. He fought John John Molina, and before I even say that, now that's you talking about having some advantages in the ring, like five eleven with a seventy three inch reach. Of you fighting at like I want to say start off at one thirty. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's a, and he was real powerful at that weight, too. So, John John Molina, he fought Raphael Ruelas, Re- Re- he fought, he, gave, he was the first to give Jannero Hernandez a loss. Demolished Jesse James Lehigh, fought Julio Cesar Chavez. That was the fight he fought. Um, it was one of those times he fought um, Chavez, and he was just slugging it out with him, but he was just too fast for Chavez. But really oscar had all of the ladies like they love oscar but true like hispanics they kind of had a problem with oscar until he was in there i think the second time he fought chavez he just went toe to toe with him and after that they joined the the team too so he had just everybody um you know riding with him after like that that chavez fight but miguel and hale gonzalez pernell he fought i mean camacho was was past it Chavez again, Ike Corte, Obacar, Fernando, I mean, Felix Trinidad, Shane Mosley twice, Fernando Vargas, come on, man, Shane, come on, this is ridiculous. But Nara Hopkins, he fought Mayorga, Floyd, Manny, like, come on. And really, if anybody could have played that role of, like, I'm the cash caller, I'm going to pick and choose who I could fight he's the guy who actually could have did it you know Oscar was so popular at the time I bet you Oscar could have like had fights where he only let ladies in there and I bet you they would have sold out those arenas at that time like that's how powerful he I mean how popular he was at that time but like I said he's a guy never um side away from competition he always wanted to prove that he was the best. And I think that he felt by beating the best, then the money was gonna come anyway. You know what I mean? If you look at his record, like I say, it's not the best record in the world, 39 and six. But at the same time, people respected the fact that he's going after all of these tough, elite level fighters, you know what I mean? And so he never played a save. But the thing is like now for him to come back at the age of 48, I mean, you just never know what you're going to get from somebody at that advanced age, especially when you're fighting guys like middleweights and super middleweights and things like that. But i tell you what, though. i tell you what. um, Even at this advanced age, I wouldn't be surprised. You give him about two tune-ups, and I wouldn't be surprised if he could be somebody like uh, Jaime Munguia or something like that. I wouldn't i really wouldn't be surprised but i also wouldn't be surprised if he come back and he just don't have it because that is a long time to be off and you know some of the things that he was doing the party you know that may have you know messed with some of his um skills or whatever may have diminished some of his skills even more but you know you don't know like i say for a person at that age but i tell you what though i'll be tuned in in july
2: anything else you, got,
0: you guys got No, sir. Yeah, man, I tried to go ahead and uh, do the best I could today. I'm out here in Milwaukee in my hometown. And so I just came into the room and, uh, you know, we got this episode jumping off. I want to make sure that we get you all, you know, another episode each week. And hopefully you enjoyed us. Make sure you catch us on YouTube, those different segments. And then also catch us on Twitter, Instagram. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button, the like button so you get those notifications on that note we out peace